Welcome to Fire Engineering Podcast, The Training Officer. I am your host, Dave McGlynn. Uh, if you're new to the show and uh, you're joining me because you saw who the guest was going to be, one, I appreciate it. And then two, uh, the background of the show is to, to talk about the training officer. So uh, Fire Engineering has blessed me for uh, over five years now with uh, the podcast opportunity. We used to call the show Networking for Success. Uh, and then we decided that we're going to uh, take it a different route and we're going to call it the training officer. Mostly what I've always talked about is training officer stuff. That's been my background. It's been kind of my passion. Uh, I've promoted out of the training division, but uh, that doesn't mean that my heart's not still there, you know. So uh, what I like to do is, is I like to try to talk to folks uh, that have a training background, uh, people that have been instructors, people that have been training officers, people that have managed training programs and and uh, have them bring to you some nuggets of information, uh, as well as their story about the importance of the training officer, the, pos- the position itself. And, and um, you know, it's more of a preventative thing. I don't want to bastardize the training officer position in my experience. And as I'm sure my guests would would probably confirm, um, people have promoted into the training officer position for the wrong reasons. Um, if they got into it for the wrong reason, but they then didn't do it for the right reason and capitalize on the opportunity, they bastardize training. Uh, and when we do that, we, we produce bad firefighters. So I've always been very passionate about the position. I think it's a great opportunity to have. So with that, I'm joined with uh, my guest, Eddie Buchanan. So if you don't know Eddie from uh, his music his music background. Uh, Eddie is a 40-year uh, veteran of the fire service. He had 14 years as a volunteer, 25 years as a career firefighter at the Hanover Fire and Emergency Fire and EMS out in Virginia. Uh, he retired as an assistant chief. He's a past president of ISFSI. Say that real fast. Uh, the Society. Um, he's also authored the book, The Volunteer Training Officers Handbook, and he has another project coming up called The Training Officers Handbook uh, with Fire Engineering Books and Videos. So, Eddie, thank you for joining me today, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, man. It's an honor to be here. Nice. Good to talk training. Training yeah. is like, you know, when you get to the side of the training, it's kind of like the mob. Once you get in, you never get out. I don't right. care where you get promoted to. It's it's funny you say that. I always say to people, I say, you know, our thing, our thing, you know, because and that's like yeah. a mafia term. But but it really is. You know, it's so not only is the fire service our thing. Right. But the training realm is an even smaller piece of our thing. And uh, people that that love it, they're the only ones that really get it. So I know your background. um, you know, unfortunately, that the, the late uh, Bobby Halton had, had actually uh, connected us uh, a while ago. I was going to be doing a book, training officer book with uh, with fire engineering and Bobby, God rest his soul. He wanted me to to do like a, a, an instruction manual type thing. And it's just not my style. And I remember I reached out to you. I said, hey, Bobby wants me to collaborate with you. And what are your thoughts? And you said, oh, man, you know, I, I'm just finishing up my project. I'm already kind of doing something. You know, I've got a couple people in it. So that's fine, man. I said, you know, um, I wanted to do my own thing anyway, I, you know, put myself out there and, and do my own thing. So it worked out um, because Bobby was right. I had to change a lot of stuff. And, and then um, I did. I kind of revamped and rewrote the whole thing. And uh, and now it's it's uh, it's it's going along good. I've actually uh, just wrapped up mine, too. So it's sad to see that he's not going to be able to see it. But I, I appreciate um, a level of his tough love. And I also appreciate that he made so many connections for me since I've been writing and teaching uh, for him that I have a guy like you now uh, in my wheelhouse and that I can, you know, have on the show. So, yeah. You know, people don't realize how much influence he had behind the scenes. You know, everybody 
saw Bobby on stage and in the magazine and videos and stuff, but they didn't realize how much he was doing it in the background, you know, connecting people and making things happen too. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you said it, you know, it's uh, I don't want to make the show about, about that, but I, d- I do want to acknowledge that because it's a good point. So, you know, um, he was not an easy man to work for. I try to tell people that, you know, like the people that didn't get to know him, uh, he was the most passionate, uh, beautifully spoken, articulate, uh, just jack it up kind of guy. And, and that's what that's a part of what he was, but he was also a boss. Uh, and I always say to people, you know, make no mistake, Bobby was a boss and Bobby talked to you like, like you were an employee. Um, you know, he had an expectation, he had a standard, uh, and he gave those of us that were fortunate more than, more than one opportunity. I always say everybody gets an opportunity, but if you get more than one, that means that either Diane or Bobby liked you or they saw something that they wanted to help develop. Um, cause there's always those one and dones, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I uh, I I I one hundred percent agree with that. there was a, a lot behind the scenes that people don't realize, um, and that same thing that making connections stuff, you know, um, like you know when I you and I uh, connected and me reaching out to you and 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 all that, and then now I'm doing this this part of the show, and I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to to Eddie because I I know his background is training, I know he's got the new book coming out, I think it'll be good. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a guy like Bobby making that connection. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what inspired you to get into the fire service. So I'm, I'm, so Hanover Fire and EMS, we're a suburb of Richmond, Virginia. We sit right north of the city of Richmond. It's in Rico. There's a region here, Richmond region, of four fire departments, more than that, actually. But it seems to be the, the core are the four. Uh, Richmond, Henrico, Chesterfield, Hanover, we're all wrapped up in this thing, Goochland. There's a bunch of fire departments. We all work together and they're all county-based fire departments. So they're all large kind of organizations. But the the way I got into the fire service, I started in 82 as a volunteer, right? So literally riding my bicycle down the street with my buddy and uh, we would pass the firehouse every day on the way to the store to go play pinball and, you know, get a, get a soda and eat a candy bar or something. We'd hang around the pinball machine up at the store. And uh, we'd go by the firehouse every day. And my buddy says, I wonder how old you have to be to, you know, be a part of that. And I'm like, we're on a bicycle, man. We got, <laughs> you know, we, I think you probably got to be a little older. So he goes, let's stop and ask him. And sure enough, you know, we were like 15 or whatever. So uh, they, we couldn't join yet. You had to be 16 to be a cadet is what they called us. And uh, but sure enough, man, we went in and they, they, we asked and they said, well, you know, you can wash that truck if you want. And we were OK. So, you know, next thing, brush in hand, we're washing trucks. And uh, I just never left. I literally, the department evolved around me kind of thing. You know, like I was a, a cadet, then I turned 18 and became a, you know, a senior member where I could, we could actually fight fire when we were 16. Back in those days, the rules were a little different than they are now. So, uh, you know, we were riding tailboard, all, all that stuff. And uh then it evolved, and I actually stayed in the volunteer service until I became the volunteer chief there. And then, uh, then the county started to evolve, right? Like so, the whole county started to become a combination system. And I ended up uh, getting hired on, and immediately went to the training division. So we had to. It was an interesting challenge right out of the gate for us back then because. Uh, we had about 500 volunteers in the county at the time back then. And uh, I think if I recall correctly, it was 22 or 23%. I think it was 23% of 
had firefighter one. So we had a massive amount of people that needed to be trained. And uh, they, the decision was made to enforce the training standard that had kind of been there for a long time. Just nobody ever put teeth in it. So we had to come up with a way to train all those people in some sort of systematic way. And there was only two of us. There was me and a, a, a guy named Greg Martin was, was working with me. He's also retired now. And uh, we, you know, we had to kind of figure out how do you train this many people with such a small staff in the, in a kind of reasonable time frame. We were looking at like a five or 10 year uh, period. And that's where that first book actually came from was the process we created to basically become a, a factory of firefighters. You know, we were, we were punching them out just as fast as we could go using a volunteer instructor cadre. So it was, uh, it had plenty of challenges, but it was pretty effective. I was just going to say that that had to come. So it's nothing against the volleys because, you know, having done right. both sides, it's a challenge regardless, right? To pick a good cadre of instructors, picking those SMEs, picking the right people, making sure they're dedicated, given the the consistent amount of information, uh, the continuity aspect of it, right? And then, Ed, everybody is volunteer and they all have personal lives and careers outside of the firehouse, how are you going to be able to produce this? So, yeah, I mean, that's not, you know, uh, if you don't mind, uh, continue to elaborate on that because that's actually pretty interesting, um, you know, for the for the listener is is that like how'd you guys how'd you guys do that? How'd you how'd you pull that off? And 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 what were you know obviously that being the challenge, what were some of the challenges that came along with that? Well, you know, the a lot of it was we also were aware that we were kind of building a culture all at once. You know, while, while we were going through this training process of training so many people, we were also kind of starting to form a culture that the, would be the department as a, as a combination department that it is today. And uh, that wasn't lost on us. And we had lots of help, man. Probably the, the most useful thing in that time period was our friends. So, like, we had gotten hooked up at FDIC. We were starting to attend. Uh, we were starting to teach there a little bit. Uh, we, we got wrapped up early in the saving our own program with, uh, chief Lasky and bless his heart. You know, I, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff if he hadn't come out there and found us in the woods, as I always say, right in the woods training. And I'm like, who cares what we're doing out here? You know, but, uh, he got us connected with a lot of really good people and, and we would sit around talking about the challenges of the training environment and we would share ideas like, you know, a lot of. A lot of what is the that training program they're using today in that department is a culmination of lots of different places that uh, we talk to and just, you know, sharing ideas of how to do things. So, so like, and, you know, you always, at least I, my previous impression of the volunteer fire service and training, I, I'd been to classes where I saw people put their feet up on the desk and, you know, not pay attention and, you know, kind of disrupt class and some of those things. I saw some of those challenges coming up. And we were like, we're not going to have that. We don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're all business here. And, and we kind of had the attitude that uh, we make firefighters. I don't care if you're volunteer or career. Our job was to output a qualified firefighter. So we tackled discipline pretty early on. Like, you know, behavior and discipline was an early, early part of that challenge. And it was a it was not only of how to develop it and how to do it, but it was a political problem because we had volunteer chiefs that, you know, were concerned that we were applying these discipline standards to their, to their volunteers. There oh, was well, it needs to happen. That. So, 
you know, we, we had to go over the hurdle. Could you fire, fire a volunteer? And as a volunteer chief, I would say, absolutely. Yes, you can watch me. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. And we would, we, you would have to have, you know, you got to do the documentation. You got to do it the right way. Uh, but, but that was part of the process. So, you know, the, the challenges there were, were to figure out how to, how to create a disciplinary, uh, kind of system around it. Like what, what sort of documentation has to occur? How do we hold people accountable in a consistent way? Um, you become, you become a little bit of a talent scout, right? Because there's only two of us and we were running literally simultaneous programs. Greg would be in one classroom and I'd be in the other. And we'd both be running programs to simultaneously. Right. Tapping yourself out. So, yeah. So we, we were having to lean on, you know, the, the talent in the department that we had access to. So matching the right people to the right classroom, to the right topic, you know, your little bit of air traffic control in that aspect of making it all happen. Then getting the units out to do the evolutions, the drills. It was a lot, man. It was, it was an interesting time and we learned a ton. But we were aware of, you know, what kind of fire department is this going to be when it, you know, 10 years from now when it becomes a, a combination system, which it did. I mean, basically, uh we hired all the good ones. <laughs> right, Any, yeah. Anybody that wanted a job, if you wanted a job in the fire service, you know, there, there were plenty of great, and there still are plenty of great volunteers there that uh, have great careers mm. that they don't want to be a full-time firefighter. Yeah, they want to yeah. be a volunteer. But they're, they're very professional in how they do it, right? So th- th- there was that. But, but if you were an up-and-coming kid that wanted to get a job in the fire service, you know, you were auditioning as a volunteer back then. And, you know, we, we were kind of watching and uh, that's still today. You know, when I left, I was the HR chief, admin chief. And uh, it, it's not uncommon that, you know, people know, right? Like when somebody's coming up through the application list, you know, you, your reputation precedes you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that. How's is that a, that a good one? You know, that a, that a good firefighter. And if you get right. the thumbs up from the field, you know, like, all right. And if they, if they don't say anything, then that's, yeah. Not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they reserve to comment, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. I, I actually, if I you love, ask and they give you that. Eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, yeah. Now, I, I love that setup. Um, I'll tell you. So, uh, not a lot of departments have that luxury, as you're aware. You know, uh, and I say luxury because that really is. So, like for us, right? So, um, as training officers, as people that are um, developing the future of the organization, and then in that aspect, what you guys were doing down there in Hanover with. Um, kind of doing a, it's almost like a recruitment process. So yeah, they're firefighters. Um, but if they want to get on the job, there's almost like an internship. And like you, you had alluded to audition. That's why, you know, I, I pointed cause excuse me, I love that. You know, I love the, uh, the idea behind that. Um, some departments that I'm familiar with, like where I grew up, uh, back home, you know, they, they, uh, you could volunteer. You had to actually, it was a prereq. So you had a volunteer for two years minimum before you were eligible to even test out to get on the list to be a career guy. And part of that politics or not, you know, I say to people like, I understand there's room for politics. Like I'm, I'm doing my master's right now and I'm, I'm in a class and, 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 and I don't care, you know, listen, the, the FE's had me doing a podcast for, for five, over five years now or whatever. So they know how I talk. Right. So uh, a required class is diversity and inclusion in the workplace for my master's degree. Um, 
I'm not making that up either. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that there's room for it. You know, 2023, um, but a lot of these things are loaded. So, I'm going to remove the political piece aside. And the reason why I share that 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 kind of what you would perceive as unnecessary is so there's discussion boards because I'm doing it online, and uh, I find myself alluding uh, or or in my engagements in these discussion boards, the fire service. There's a there's no room for politics, though it's huge, you know, like Frank Ritchie has the you know, politics and tactics and, and all that. And it's huge. And it's part of our, our tabletop discussions, part of our kitchen table. Um, and, it, and, it, and it makes or breaks our funding and budgets and whatnot and everything like that. I got all that. At the end of the day, we have a job to do. Um, and, and I'm a huge, huge advocate for uh, putting the right people in the right position, because at the end of the day, and I'm not trying to sound cliche, we provide a service. A service uh, to protect the lives and properties of the people in our communities and and, and, and in our firehouse, right? Um, and we get away from that because we 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 live in a society where there's a lot more entitlement. So I love that you guys had the audition, as you referred to it. Um, we have a thing in in my firehouse. Uh, we have we hire people as term firefighters, which means they're guaranteed employment for up to five years. And in that time, and I'm pretty filterless, and I'm actually the acting chief right now. Like I'm the chief of the department in the, in the, in the current status um, that I'm in. And I'm like not political. Like I'm like, okay, so you have to f- finish, you know, these certifications. You have to successfully pass these certifications and qualifications. You have to attend this much training. You have to prove every day that you're willing to par- participate. And I want to see you step up and offer some things because we hire, we recruit kids from the volleys that are outside the the, the base. I want you to bring something here, some of your expertise. Um, and then I tell them, I'm like, you know, because after five years, I don't have to keep you. So it, this is audition time, you know, like I want to see how you're going to perform. And uh, I love that you have that system. I don't know if you guys still have it down there, but I'm sure, you know, just the way you were ex- explaining it when you were down there, you guys probably produced some of the best firefighters, whether they stayed volunteer because they might have had some kind of lucrative opportunity with their their current career and they just chose to stay volunteer. Right. Or they they got into the, the, the career side, the professional side. I guarantee you guys ended up producing some of the best guys because the past eight hires we've had at work are superb. And it's because we have that. Kind of like you have to work for it before you just it's not handed. You know, they're on that five year term status and they know they got to bust their ass and prove themselves uh, to get where they need to be. So I didn't mean to take that away. It's just it, it, I, I love hearing stuff like that, because in fire and emergency services. You know, uh, there's no room for politics. I'm sorry. There's just not. I don't care about any kind of background. I just care if you can do the job and 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 if you think you're just going to show up and and you're going to be, you know, handed all these things and these entitled things, you know, on paper you might be able to retire and say that you were a professional firefighter. But uh as you know, you know, there's a lot of people that celebrate their retirement in a phone booth, you know. Um so so I know that I would say <laughs> go ahead. At the chief level, at the chief level, we say we retired with without a cake. Right, right, right. <laughs> and but that's the important so, thing, you know. If you got out of there with a the cake, then you got out there okay. <laughs> but the, the, you know, at the chief level, man, it's it's tough. It's 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 usually difficult to stay more than five or seven years or so. So if you get out of there with a the cake, you did good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, but you know, in, in our audition thing, it's really wasn't a system; it was just a reality. You know, that's just, that's just the reality of how it was. It wasn't anything we had calculated. It was just, uh, 
just the way it was working, you know. And and I, I think you talked about the political aspects of what's going on now in the fire service and how we deal with it. Took from a training perspective. Um, I feel like the fire service is like the last place on the planet, it seems like, where we're we're still kind of what we've always been a little bit, you know, but but the the outside is attacking. Like uh I'm I I've seen that uh in my region where some of the stuff that they're doing is uh, unfortunate that we have to endure some of these HR functions <laughs> that that are forced on the fire department, you know, but, and, and it impacts morale in a, in an unusual way uh, from just talking to some of the guys that are still on the job, you know, they're like, man, they got us sitting in this inclusion class. It's like a scene right out of rescue me. You know, remember that show back in the day, it's my favorite sitting around taking this, taking this class, you know, and it's basically that it's exactly that. And, and it's, it's not having the impact on morale that I think HR might think it is. It's actually having a negative impact. Absolutely. Right. I, I described the, from, from the HR perspective that, that I had as, as the admin chief, the fire department in local government is basically like this, this bottle of chaos, right? It's like this thing that you need to have it that way so that when something bad happens, you can turn it loose and they will, they will fix it. But when you don't have an emergency, it's like a it's just this thing that's shaking, ready to explode at any right, second right. from an HR perspective. Yeah. And it doesn't fit into the understanding of the, the 40 hour local government employee. Right. They don't know what to do with that. So it's 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 an interesting to watch how the local politics of the day are influencing. They're they're, they're knocking on the fire service door and it's it's not really helpful, honestly, from a tactical perspective. No, but it's I, something I, that we have to deal with. Right. We have to deal with it. We have to embrace it. Just like every all the new things that we run into, electric cars, all this crap that we have to respond to, right? Stuff that you've been doing is 40 years. So, you know, things that you first started responding to and had to be prepared for, uh, they developed and grew and, and they became new challenges. So same as they're not the type of calls that we respond to, but administratively, uh, managerially from the, from the chief's perspective, they're... There are new types of, of things that we have to respond to and we have to build preparation to whether we like it or not. Right. Like I don't like EMS and hazmat, but they're, they're a huge part of the fire service now. They didn't used to be 20 years ago, but they are now. They're so normal now um, that you have to embrace it. So there's things that we have that we have to I don't want to say coddle because you're never going to see me do it. Um, I mean, I just, uh, uh, I'm an old soul in a, in a, in a, in a, I guess, well, not a young man's body, but, but, you know, I'm only 40 years old myself. So, you know, so, so where I'm going with that is just, uh, I, I, uh, I, I understand that there's a necessity for things that we as administrators have to, um, adopt or adapt to same with training, right? So we have to build this level of awareness. Um, we have to kind of, <sighs> It's tough. I hit the brakes there for a second. I was going to say we have to kind of be bought in on some of the stuff that we have to train our folks on, because if they sniff out that it's ingenuine from us, then they're not going to be bought into it. Um, that's the crappy thing with what we're dealing with in the society. Like I'll just share uh, quickly. So without airing out a, a level of uh, too much specific, so I don't get myself in trouble, but I'm reviewing uh, some submissions for a huge conference that's coming up <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm grading them. And I think you're part of that too, probably. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just, I just finished right. uh, this weekend. Oh, right. good for you. I'm not finished. So I'll do it. Thanks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
so uh, I, I was reviewing one of the things and, uh, and, and a person had put uh, something about just all this kind of like political and, uh, and then also digital uh, stuff. Now there's room for that because there's some cool things that have come out uh, with technology and I love that. Um, but it was the entire program was specifically that was just like almost encouraging you how to have a training program without using these. And uh, my feedback um, was exactly this, what, kind of what you just said. In everything going on in the world today, the fire service is the one thing left that's still ours, and we still have to use these. And forgive me, but I cannot get behind someone trying to convince people not to use these. So therefore, I'm giving this person one star. <laughs> I couldn't help it, and I, you know, I text that to Frank uh, Richie, and I, he was laughing because he's he's pretty pretty forward with his re responses. Also, so there, that's an interesting point, right? Like the, the, the yes, we are a, a unique industry in what we do and how we fit into, particularly today. But um, there's two things I want to I want to point out there. Number one, if, if I was going to give any advice to an instructor, training officer, company officer, that if you if you find yourself enduring some of this foolishness, that I've, I've had guys ask, what should I do? I'm like, and, and my advice in this, I've seen this come and go over the you know decades, right? So duck cover. You, you know, cause they're, they're getting, they're getting so wrapped up in what's going on outside of their company or their training center or whatever they're working in. Everybody gets all uptight about what's going on at admin, you know, forget admin, <laughs> you know, don't worry about that. Sometimes just, sometimes they will be in, they'll be on the game and everything will be great. Sometimes they're dealing with stuff that's external that you have no idea what's going on and it's silly mess. And you know, this, don't worry about it. Duck and cover. Take care of your people. Do your job. You know, that that's really and it. That seems to be some of the season we're in these days. It's like, don't worry about all that. Just take take care of your company or your your academy or whatever it is that you're doing. Let the let the foolishness go. Don't worry about it. Work, work on what you, you can influence. And then to take that. And I want to talk about the tech aspect of that, too, because there's there is. I'm working for a tech company now. Right. That's that's my day job that I'm doing since I retired from the fire department. And it is a there is a we're, we're about to approach a transitional period uh, a little bit like we saw with fire dynamics when that's first started to kind of roll out uh, that we don't really in our training programs we don't really have a mechanism to incorporate technology as part of our basic training right so like kids are coming in and they got their phone and their iPads and things and tablets or whatever. And they're used to having uh, technology in the daily life, but we don't really have that woven into our curriculums yet. We don't understand how to apply it really yet as a fire service. We're figuring all that out now. And one of my big pet peeves is uh, I call it data beyond the air break. Is, is everything we measure in the fire service right now is uh, related to response times. So that's why I say data beyond the air break, because we stop measuring everything as soon as we go with the air break. All the clocks stop. Well, man, we're just getting started. <laughs> you know, all the fun's just getting ready to happen. So, why are we stopping all the clocks? Uh, I was talking with uh, the training chief out at, uh, in Phoenix the other day, Jason Miller. They're doing some whiz bang stuff. I mean, really interesting things they're doing with collecting data, 
And, and it's not really even a high tech thing. They're just, it's just basically somebody with a clipboard writing things down and stopwatch, you know, but they're, they're, they're collecting some data that's giving them insights into how to improve their tactics. So we were talking about things like um, shortening the, the spread or, or narrowing the spread is I think is what the term they were using there in Phoenix was. And I, you know, I don't want to, they should probably be on a show at some point. I told those guys, I was like, I wish I had recorded this conversation for God's sake, because it was, it was fantastic. But they measured tactical benchmarks, uh, things like, you know, advancing an attack line, uh, flowing water, uh, accessing a roof, forcing a door. Um, UL is starting to talk about this, too. They're using the term uh, speed to task and like looking at rescues in feet per second and things like that. Uh, and then you, you, what you, we do is we take that information and we, uh, we look at the average. We always talk about the average in the fire service. But what about the spread? Right. And that's where Phoenix was focusing on. They, the average is great, but the spread is what's interesting. Who's doing it really good? And who's the top of the class? And what are they doing that we could take and apply to the bottom of the class, the bottom of that data set? And how do we how do we pull that those that, you know, those lower numbers up? And, and that's a training function. That's where you're looking at. You know, so. From the cultural aspects, it's crazy out there. Nothing you can do about it. Take care of your people. You know, and then from the going forward aspects of this and incorporating some of the things that are good about what's going on in society, the technology and, you know, start paying attention to what good looks like in a more tactical way. Um, the, the training officer is I, I always joke that the training officer is the R&D department of the fire service. They're, you know, they're the ones that are out figuring things out. They're they're out. They're downrange. Um like I always used to tell my logistics guys, they're, you know, people didn't appreciate what they do. And um, I always said, you know, they're basically the guys that paid the road. You don't know who did it, but you appreciate a smooth ride, right? And you get there. That's basically what log our logistics guys are doing. Our training guys are out there figuring out what's next and how to close the spread like Phoenix is talking about. You know, how, how do we, the training officer, yeah, you, you have to maintain certifications. You have to have a training system in place to keep keep the wheels turning, you know, the, the recruits, to the in-service training, to the promotions. you got to be facilitating all those things through the training division. But you're also looking forward, getting way at, way out ahead of what everybody's thinking about now and, and looking at research and, and being a part of the research when you can and, and getting networked with people who are part of the research because, you know, the 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 value of going to FDIC, yes, it's meeting a lot of people and getting networked in, but you're also seeing what's coming downrange. Right. And how is that going to influence your department? Right. So that, you know, as a chief officer, I want my training guys really close to me because they, they're the ones I'm leading on to know what's next. Yeah, their ears to the ground. That was a rant. I'll stop. No, 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 that's not a rant <laughs> at all. You're you're the guest. It's you know, you say everything you need to say. No, I love it. Uh no, so I um <clears throat> I'm gonna totally agree with you. Uh yeah, that's that's the thing is you have to uh, you have to be able. It's tricky right now, so uh, because it's new, uh, and when I say it, I'm, I'm talking about you know like uh, uh, the the digital realm, right? So you having right. the training background and, and 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 mine not not compared to yours, but but, but us together uh, being tos and having that 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 background, right? Uh, New and amazing ways to find how we're supposed to uh, do training, uh, how we're supposed to improve what we do and bring us into the future, uh, develop us to get us to where we need to be uh, with um, 
with 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 our service right uh is is that is is being uh um willing to research any new and exciting ways that we can do stuff now that includes in, in today's technology in today's society the technology piece i'm all about that and and, and another that you talk about data you know uh um or, or data whatever you know uh so the the um and the funny thing is, and, and Phoenix has, has been, you know, since Bruno was there, I mean, they've always kind of pioneered stuff. They've always spearheaded. They were always a lot fo- more forward thinkers than we were. Um, you know, so the the sad thing is, is, is um, we didn't uh, do a good job of, of, of being data driven, of, uh, of collecting data, of, of being able to compare those things as training officers, being able to find that information and and, and, and use it so that we can develop and build our training programs off of that, et cetera. Uh, furthermore, um, you know, we, we need to be able to, to utilize, as we learned, unfortunately, with the, the, the pandemic, we need to be able to utilize uh, new and innovative ways to, uh, to continue to keep our people proficient. Uh, and, and, you know, a few years back in a world where you weren't allowed to be in the same room as each other, um, you know, how are you going to train these folks? Right. Um, and that's where like the zoom stuff and everything like that came through. So, so, so one of the things that I try to, 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 to say to people and just to throw caution, we're always going to be innovative and we're always going to find a way The the fire service is unique because, uh, we're, we're, we're challenge acceptors and we are, uh, solution makers. Right. So, uh, with that, um, we we found a challenge with the pandemic. We provided a solution, uh, but the thing is, is this is where I say to people is like I said before, we still use these. So Zoom is nice. Uh, digital things are nice because uh, they're new and amazing ways to 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 help us uh, improve our fire service, um, and which will then improve the, the the services we provide to to everybody else. But don't use it as a crutch. You know you can't search a room on zoom. Uh, you know, you search a room by searching a room. Uh, so, you know, I try, I try to say that to people, you know, is just to, to understand that in today, because it's so new, it's become a buzzword. And now everybody is trying to hop on the new sexy and, you know, oh, this, and, you know, uh, you know, it's all about feelings. And yes, it is like, like we've learned that, you know, maybe we didn't do a good enough job of, of, of being uh, open to, to how people deal with thir- certain things. Um, you know, uh, it's all about data collection and, 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 and improving the way we, we, uh, we, we, we reference what we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, making things convenient so that we can, we can continue to train our people and provide the services that we're expected to pr- provide. And, and furthermore, you know, I say to everybody is the, the fire service uh, in the general public's eye, we're the we're the world's problem solver. So if society is is continuously advancing. Right. The expectation in the mind of the general public is we are already exceeded that uh, we are already the subject matter expert to th- this, this, this digital footprint of, uh, of society and and um and feelings and and whatnot we've already exceeded it we've mastered it and we were able to respond and execute so uh we do have a due diligence as training officers and and also as chief officers to support the training program and in marrying those things where i go with that is is i just want everybody to understand it um be cautious of what information's valid um 
what information is good and what is applicable to your organization. You know, um, like uh, I'm at an industrial base now. Uh, so I love Vinny Dunn, but Vinny's not going to come and teach a high rise class to the fire department I work at because we have an industrial setting. So make sure it's applicable to your organization. Just because something's sexy doesn't mean that it works for you. Uh, so, so I just, I throw that out there to, to the listener and to the viewer. Uh, if you're aspiring to be a train officer, you're currently running a training program is, is, uh, all information is good information. Just understand how to navigate through it, weed through it, process it, and make sure that it's relevant to what you're trying to do for your organization. I'll say that. I mean, does it support the mission, right? So like uh, remote distance ed learning, whatever you want to call it, th this type of environment we're in now. This is great. If as long and, and if you use it correctly, you'll use it to increase your hands-on time, right? So you can your your students can do these things in off times, you know, or, or down times in the fire station or at home or whatever, uh, to increase your hands-on time when you are together in person. That, that's how you would leverage that. And then the other uh, the other gizmos and gadgets that you know will be appearing on the on the scene over the next couple of years. I mean, it's very simple. How does does it help you get to the rescue any faster or to the seat of the fire any faster and, and safer? And does it not get in your way in the process? You know, because you can overclutter stuff like there can be too much, too much information, man. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get to the get to this place and get water on this fire. I don't need to know. There's some, some stuff that's it's nice to have, but it's not supporting the actual operation. It's just this noise. Right. So. Um, if you use the tech in the proper way and really challenge yourself that it is something that's beneficial to the occupant that you're trying to make conditions better for. And OK, you know, then you can talk about how to em employ that technology in your department and make it useful. But uh, a lot of times, it's, you know, it's just sometimes this noise, sometimes it's uh, I remember watching thermal imaging come on the scene. Right. And the, the first thermal imager that I ever saw was this helmet mounted thing that, I, you know, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? You know, it was this big gizmo you had to put on your head. And uh, and then we they finally got that tech to be a little bit more streamlined where it could be handheld. It was still a big old honking piece of equipment. Uh, and then we went through that phase where we overused it. Like, you know, we were, we were getting disoriented when the camera would fail. We'd be disoriented because we didn't maintain orientation the old-fashioned way. And now we've, we've come to, which I would describe as more of an uh, efficient way of using that tool with looking at, at some of the, the training and the, how the, the, the uh, equipment has advanced. Uh, we understand it way better than we ever did. And we, we've matured with that tool now. And, and you know, you can kind of see the arc of any new new gizmo that comes on the scene. You know, there, there's a there's an arc that goes with it. And we've, we've seen thermal imaging go through that. And now it's kind of settled into where I think it's going to fit in the long term. Now, I, I, uh, I totally agree with that. You know, so it's just part of the evolutionary process. And the training officer, man, is sitting right on the, right on the front seat of the bus, you know, to look at that equipment and, and how would we employ that tech? How would I train on that tech? How do I build that into my basic training? Uh, at least you should be in the front seat of the bus on those types of discussions, you know, to talk about how do we even build this in our recruit school, man? You know, we've got to. We've got to factor this into the basic training and then the in-service training. And there's a lot of systems that are running that that something like that has to be a part of. It's a lot going on in the training division. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's 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 that's, a, that's the biggest that's the biggest understatement ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah it, it really is. Uh, and, and it's just funny you, you had said about the tech. You know, uh, I remember um, when they came out. I had just joined the fire service, um, and they were they were these huge huge things. Um, and I remember I had a guy. Uh, he he passed. Uh, God rest his soul. And um, <clears throat> he said um, they were they were donated to us. We had gotten them. I don't remember if it was a grant or remember like years back. Uh, I think it was pre nine eleven, maybe right after nine eleven. I remember they they were giving everybody everything. Like everybody was just all of a sudden these all these ticks started showing up to people's firehouses. So people weren't ordering them as much as like people were just getting them right. <clears throat> so this particular individual, uh, he was a commissioner, and uh, and the fire commissioners, you know, they 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 decide what we purchase. I remember him saying, oh, you'll never see me buy any of those things. They want to give it to us for free. That's fine. I'll take your wheel chalk, you know, and he referred to it as a wheel chalk. And I thought, man, you know, it's kind of funny. And how we've yeah, the early the early ones were like dragging Thor's hammer. <laughs> right. through yeah, they were, they know, were huge. Kind of. <clears throat> yeah, that's funny. Thor's hammer. That is exactly what they were like. Um, <laughs> no, but we you're right, though. I mean, we did through evolution. You know, and that's just the past 22 years, 25 years that that the, the, the tech has become part of a, a major piece of the technology that we use. We have um, we've we vetted it. We 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 ironed out the kinks uh, and we figured out what when it was applicable. And like you said, though, the biggest key thing, and, and I try to say this to people is. <clears throat> You know, part of the one of the things uh, that I do when I teach is, is I, I say, you know, you bring old school traditions with with new ideas. That's the fire service. You can't get away from the way things uh, the way we used to do things. It's not that you, you, you're you're afraid to evolve, but it's also not that you're you're set in your ways um, because we have to be reliant on this toolbox of information we have here and, and how do we get there is through training, right? So the training officer has that responsibility to, to teach people how to read rooms, whether it's built into their face piece. Cause that's that they have that now, you know, um, or they're holding a handheld uh, tick, whatever. Right. But then how to read a room without relying on the tick, how to search a room, how to find your way out without relying on the tick, because the, 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 the end result is the battery dies. Um, or it could fail because of, of, of a heat situation, you know, and I know that they're built, uh, you know, they're built for speed, but they they can still have issues, uh, because of the heat. Right. And then even if you're like, we've learned through, you know, fire dynamics through, through, through training, right. You did flashover simulator or whatever. You're one of those Connex boxes and and you try to say, okay, well, we're going to do some tick stuff with the guys. And, um, if you're using those digital ones, you'll see that there's a little bit of a lag or a freeze because, it focuses on the energy that's moving around with the fire and, and it kind of screws up the camera, you know, so you're not getting the, the, in the moment uh, stuff. So, so through technology, they've evolved, they've built better products. Um, I'm not going to name some of them so we don't get in trouble <laughs> just in case they're not a sponsor for FE, but, but, you know, so some of these products have done a good job and they've, they've produced some really good stuff and they've, they, but how'd they get there? Trial and error. Same as us. How do we teach our people trial and error? You know, just because something's new and fancy doesn't mean that it's great. Um, and, 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 and that as the training officer, that is 100% our responsibility to vet the process. 
to actually have our hands in it to, like you said, you know, you go to FDIC for your training officer, it's the fire department instructors conference. And I, I always, I always throw that out there because I'm not taking away from any, anyone that has, uh, cause uh, you know, you, you know, Eddie, we're reviewing classes and stuff. There's some cool stuff that's out there, man. It really is. And there's, and I, and I love some of the, the programs that I'm seeing for, for newcomers. And, you know, I love what chief Rhodes is doing, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, see what else we can bring to the FDIC. I'm excited about it. Um, there's some great leadership stuff, but at the end of the day, it's the fire department instructors conference. That's what the I stands for. And I say that to people, you know, it's the FDIC. Um, most of the attendees should be some form of fashion background and training officer instructor, you know, background that should be part of their job. And when you're there, don't just walk the showroom to buy shirts. Don't just take selfies with people because you see somebody that's famous in the fire service. And that's cool. You know, um, take as many classes as you can talk to as many vendors as you can hands on feel test out touch that week is so packed full of the latest and greatest stuff that you as an instructor, you can bring back to your organization. Um, and, and I, and I say that to people because I, I don't want you to go there for the wrong reason. Like take it all in, man. Cause it's everything. And, and then you can then see processing what is applicable to your organization, what's relevant. And, and then you, then you offer it. Uh, you know, it's just that that's just my experience and having I've been, been an attendee there, I've been an instructor there. Even as an instructor now, I, I go to every class that I can because I want to like, you know, I have a due diligence to my organization and to the fire service that I need to be able to learn as much as I can. I, you know, I already know my class. I don't, you know, my class isn't it for me for the week. I sit in a bunch of other classes and try to take notes and take in as many nuggets as I can. So. Yeah. Really I always tell the first time or anybody really, but particularly somebody going for the first time, uh, you need a plan. You know, you need, you need to sit down with that schedule and, and you need a first and second and third choice of programs you want to take because if you're on, if you're trying to take one of the hot ones, you know, like one of the programs that's kind of popular at the moment, you might not even get in the room. You know, if you're not there early enough, it might sell out. So you need your, okay, if I'm not, if I can't get in that, I got my backup plan. So you're not, you don't have to sit and f pull the thing out and try to figure it out in the moment. You can just go because there's that, that hot 15 minutes between the classes, you know, where you got to get where you got to be. And try to get in, you know, and, and I would tell people also be thoughtful of the classes you pick, because, yes, there's some that are that are, you know, the popular ones that are really kind of almost entertaining, almost like they may not apply to your department at all, but it's it's going to be a heck of a good time to sit in there and listen to that that instructor. That Those are great. Take a couple of those, but also challenge yourself. Where, where should I be attending? What classes should I attend that might be a trend that's coming down the pipe for a department like mine? It might not be the popular one, but you, you need to go plant your butt in there and listen to see what's going on, you know, so that you that's like I said, you are indeed for your department. You need to be informed of what's coming and, and what might influence your operations later. So it's a combination of things, you know, you'll go. Yeah, go see some some of the big metro stuff and all that. And that's that's cool. But if, if you're in a, a small suburban department someplace, some of that may not you know, some of it applies. Not all of it does. So make sure you're someplace that, you know, like I always try to make sure I catch uh, when there's a research report coming out, you know, they're going to talk about early data or something like that. I'll, I'll Even if I can't get in for the whole thing, I'll try to get in for at least the parts I can because I want to hear 
uh, where this research is going as soon as it's that information becomes available, because that's how you steer from a training division perspective. That's what you're using as your compass that, you know, kind of guide your tactics and stuff. So, you know, you want to be in, you go to the popular stuff, but you need a, you need a plan, man. I, I would always, you know, before they had the apps that you can do where you can make your own schedule and stuff, I would, I would have a little notebook. We, the pocket guide used to be the magic because you could have the pocket guide and, and circle it'd the mark, things, right? Mark them out, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So now they're all digital, but um, the, the, I think I, did I, they have a pocket guide last year? They, it was the that, year before. I, uh, that's actually a good question. They're hard to find. Right. Yeah, they they, they, they used to be. I, I, I always had one every year, but you're right. I, I don't – I didn't have one on me this past April, so that means that they might not have had them. Yeah. Now I we're both going to get in trouble. Guy, They're going to say, we, we had pocket yeah. guides. Why are you guys saying that? <laughs> right. I just couldn't find you know, I would look. I would go looking for it. Right. That was like the first thing. The, the, the big the big book is great to keep and read and stuff in the hotel or whatever. Right. But I'm looking for that pocket guy. You know, that, that was the my tactical plan, my task book for the week, you know, to have that little thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, you got to make a plan when you go to something like FDIC. So uh, because there's just so much to take in and, uh, you know, there's. You'll sleep later. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be nonstop. Right, right. right. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. Uh, it, it, and that's just it, you know, just is 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 that kind of stuff. You know, <clears throat> not just advocating for them. I mean, you know, they own they own the show, so I'm gonna. But also, just you go to any of these conferences, take everything in. But specifically that one, like I try to tell people, like that's the fire department instructors conference, like. Every person, anybody who has a training background needs to go to there and go to that conference and they need to take in every piece of information that they possibly can. And I know it seems a little overwhelming, but it's because there is there's there's some of the best in the business are going to be there. And some of the, mo- the, the most up to date, coolest technology you're going to see is out there and you need to get eyes and hands on it and, 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 and see, you know, how it could work for you. You know, because it is, it's a, you have that responsibility as a training officer to take that information in and, and make the best of it, um, which, you know, uh, I always say, I always give the disclaimer, you know, like with you. So I had sent the, uh, the, the uh, questions that just to keep us, I, you know, I have ADD, so I'll go all over to join. So we covered a lot of this stuff and we're not, we're not wrapping up. I just wanted to say, you know, like I had the questions in front of me and I'm like, well, we kind of covered that. We kind of covered that. Um, so I do want to talk about one thing not to um, to take away from it because it's important. But I, I, if you don't mind, because um, a lot a lot of the other things we, we we did cover as far as, you know, like the qualities, characteristics of a good training officer. We covered mm-hmm. this just in discussion. But um, if you could tell us about your new book. You know, what's it called and when do you think it might be? I said, because I have yeah. I have experience dealing with some things. So I said, when do you think it should be coming out? <laughs> um, but, you know, who could benefit from reading the book and and, and um, how they could benefit from it? Just talk about that. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's called The Training Officer's Handbook is the title that we've, we've got. It's, so we have the Volunteers Training Officer's Handbook. And, and then now, 20 years later or whatever it's been, it's uh, The Training Officer's Handbook. and there's actually, I'm a co-author on it. So I, we expanded the author pool. I've got um, two of my dear friends on there. So uh, I've got, uh, he's now battalion chief, Robert Drake, Bobby Drake. Um, so when we started talking about doing this uh, training officer's handbook, I had been transferred out of the training division for a while. I was promoted up and 
do, doing admin stuff. And I wanted, I wanted a perspective that was fresh, like somebody in the, in the weeds right now, hands-on doing training, running recruit schools. You know, I wanted that perspective. Uh, and, and Bobby was, uh, somebody I had, I had been his instructor when he came on the fire department, however many years ago that was. So it was kind of cool, like, you know, to have the guy who's running the training division now was the guy I trained when I was running the training division. You know, it's like this pass along thing. So it was cool to have him on there as a, uh, as a different perspective, a younger, fresher, more current perspective than the the historical perspective that I have being, being there so long ago. So, uh, Bobby's on there. And then I brought on John Buckman, uh, who is like a fire training legend. He was the, uh, training director for the state of Indiana. So, you know, John brings that kind of broader perspective of, uh, the bigger fire service, you know, the up here at the kind of at the, at the systemic fire service perspective. And between the three of us, we, we put those things together. So it's really designed our target target audience. The, the person I have in my, in my mind's eye when I was writing was uh, somebody who got transferred to the training division. Maybe they asked for it. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> but but here we are. You know, you show up at the training academy and you're supposed to run this thing. And we were like, we, we thought of all the things we wish we knew uh, from. I mean, we, we go through the whole gamut of you know, how training impacts culture, we, we all the way to, you know, how to build the firefighter kind of thing, kind of approach. How do you build one? If you had to put the parts together, um, we, things like, uh, we, one thing that was important to hand over to the department I was from was a uh, drill and ceremony. We had a, uh, actual training on how to post colors, how to, you know, do basic, uh, things, but that's built into our, in our recruit training. So, uh, from lessons, we learned the hard way. So, I'm taking you know, notes on this, aspect, by the way. I so I I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. cut you off only because people will be viewing this and listening to this, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm I've been doing this a decent amount of time, and, and and those are things I'm familiar with. But like to me, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Like we need to start doing stuff like that. And how do you get good at it? Is by training on it, just like everything else we do. So, mm -hmm. so continue. I'm sorry, Eddie. I just well, like I'm like know, that's an awesome idea, talking, you know. Like <clears throat> talking about, I say we learned that lesson the hard way, right? That 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 was born out of a funeral from one of our members. Uh, that we it wasn't a line of duty death back then. This is this was Timmy Kirby. This was back. I don't know what year that was. It's probably in the '90s, maybe I guess mid '90s. And uh, we, it wasn't a line of duty death funeral, but we did a lot of the things that would be considered that. And at the last minute, uh, they were going to call for a hand salute at graveside. And I thought, Oh boy, this, we've never done that before. I don't know how this is going to go. And, and we got all manner of hand salute when it time came, you know, it was, there were some that were Gomer right. piled out. And, <laughs> right. 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 You know, we got all, all sorts of stuff. Right. So we, uh, I remember the drive back, Greg, the other training guy himself, we're talking about, we need to fix that, you know, and then, advanced through the years and we were un unfortunately had line of duty deaths uh the most notable for the fire engineering crowds probably brad clark when he was killed on the interstate he got the courage of valor award a couple years ago um to a that scale of a funeral if you if you you won't see a line of duty death coming you never will and if you think you're going to have time to get your people up to speed on the drill and ceremony required for a line of duty death funeral, if you think you're going to do that in that week that you have, you know, before the actual ceremony, you, it's not going to happen, man. That's got to be imprinted as a cultural thing 
all along, right? So we were lucky that we, my boss, the old deputy chief, uh, his name was Randy Abernathy at the time. He uh, was a former DI for the Marine Corps. So I knew just who to ask when we wanted to develop our, our drill and ceremony class, right? We, and a lot of our instructors were military guys too. So we didn't have to look far for the expertise on how to put this class together. And, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't boot camp. It was just, what are the things you need to know? Uh, like how to post colors and things. All that's in, we talk about all that in the book, um, all the way out to even some tech stuff, you know, like the technology you'll be working with. If you're a new, new training guy and you're not used to all these computers and things we have to use, you know, uh, classroom techniques of uh, anything from solo teaching to all the way out to teaching in a big room to team teaching is different. You know, how do you te uh, teach as a group or as a team, two or three of you, you know, there's a, there's some, processes that you could use for that. So it's, we tried to make it a kind of a, this, all the things I wish I knew kind of book that you can stick on the side of your desk. And, uh, you know, when things come up, maybe you look in there, maybe we've already talked about it. You know, it might, might give you some guidance, save you some grief. Uh, that, that, that was the idea for the book. And then the, as far as release, I'm not sure. I know we're in what they call layout and artwork. So we're in the final phase. It's like the, the, the writing is over. Uh, the, and all that they're, they're figuring out how things are going to fit on a page at this point. So we're probably getting pretty close to, to seeing that publish. So I don't know a date, but we're, we're certainly at the final stages. So that'll be out soon. Um, I already started working on another thing, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, you know, we that, that one is kind of that, that baby has been birthed and it's out doing its thing. And we look forward to being released pretty soon. And I appreciate you asking about that. Yeah. One. Well, I, I'm a, so I'm huge on that stuff. Right. So, um, you know, um, there's never enough information, as you know, you know, there's never enough information that's out there. And, and I'm, I'm old school in the sense that like I read, uh, you know, my, my desk at, uh, at work, I got, oh, sorry. I have a ton of books. Um, you know, just, yeah, I got in late last night, man, from a vacation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm back in 24 tomorrow, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh oh. No, <laughs> um, no, but uh, but yeah, my my desk and work, I have you know a ton of books, uh, you know, from people like yourself and 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 some other great great names out there, and and there is there's a bunch of information out there, and and that's why I wanted you to to talk about it because I think it's it's a it's an important thing. We we covered uh you know talking earlier about uh you know um coupling the uh old school uh with with the newer technology thing right uh so writing is a is a big deal a lot of people are doing audiobooks and that's cool you know and and uh, you know i might do one one day um myself but writing and reading are very important um they're a skill that uh if you're going to manage training if you're going to be a, a, a facilitator of a training program you're going to be an instructor you are an educator and if you don't understand how to write or read properly, then you, you you could be the best firefighter in the world tactically and operationally, but you, your education piece of it uh, outside of maybe hot, okay, because hot is a big deal, but uh, is going to suck, you know. Um, so it's important. You need to you need to be able to read. You need to be willing to to hear other people's perspective and information from other people especially in the training world, you know, there aren't enough training officer development books for our thing. So it's beautiful to see, you know, that, that you're doing a, a, a second book and, and you've, you've, you've completed it and you're just waiting through 
I know what you're waiting through. And then through the production, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and then, but that, but just, you know, that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a good group of, of folks out or out there to put that information out there. And even if it's not specifically relevant to you, it, it's still good information. I promise. You know, there's some great developmental stuff that's out there. And, and, and that's why I wanted you to talk about it. Cause I want people to know, like, you know, you, you got pro, a, a product coming out and people need to be able to hear about, uh, you know, some information from that. And, that. and it's just it's developmental. If nothing else, there's no bad information from for, for, for you who you who is aspiring or is currently a training officer. You know, there's just there's too many different avenues that we fall into these traps and the ill prepared training officer and instructor. And it's great because we've all done it, you know, so you learn from that. Right. But you almost lose your class. You lose that following. You lose the uh, the ownership of the room uh, or the or the tra- or the training grounds on the drill grounds, you know, out in the field. You lose that uh, when you're not prepared um, for something, you know. So so I always say to people, like, you go out and read, take take as many classes as you can, especially in the fire service in general. but don't just take leadership classes because you got promoted to being a captain at work. Like I'm going to take a leadership class now. So this way I know everything I need to know. Like, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, but take a writing class, man, take a writing class, you know, take a reading, you know, you know cause take, that, that's Mary Sovic uh, was doing that with the ISFSI back, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. she's still, she's still out there doing it. Um, but that was uh, my seventh grade writing uh, English teacher, Miss Jennings, man. She, she was tough, but she taught me how to write. And that's been a skill that I have leaned on my whole life. Yeah. I mean, it's you, if you're going to be a company officer and particularly in a training format, you're going to need to know how to write, and, you know, because you'll be writing reports, you'll be writing disciplinary forms, you'll be writing uh, technical papers. There'll be, you know, technical writing is a thing that you, you should go seek out. Go to the community college, take a class on it, cost you a couple hundred bucks, you know, go two nights a week. And it'd be, it'd be valuable. It's worth it. Yep. I agree. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, okay. So uh, one of the questions that I ask everybody, uh, so I'm not sure how familiar you are, but I'm, I know you have the, you know, the, the question in advance. So um, mm-hmm. I asked the question, I, I always throw the, 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 uh, the reason behind um, it's not to show any form of arrogance. That's not the intent of the question. It's because I want the the audience, I want the viewer, I want the listener, I want them to be able to see uh, the importance of of, of humility and and uh, and the humanistic approach. But I also want people to understand that, um, though technically speaking, other people write your legacy for you. I say to people that everything we do has a purpose. Okay, so as training officers, when we develop a lesson plan, we develop uh, objectives. You know, smart objectives. Um, So in our life and in our profession, our legacy is is actually the objective. What are we doing this for? What's the intent? What's the end goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Why are we trying to accomplish it? I think it's important. So I'll ask you, what type of legacy do you want to leave behind? I I think... um... The best way to boil it down is to say that don't be, I would like people to understand, don't be afraid to push the boundaries to make change when necessary. 
Um, that won't always make you the popular guy. Uh, sometimes you might take a lot of heat for pushing boundaries that needs needs to be pushed, but that's what's that's what we're here for. I, I, in my classes, I teach. I, I spend a little time talking about cur uh, courage, and uh, you know, they say integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking, and I would sometimes say courage is doing the right thing when everybody's looking. <laughs> right, you know, because tactical courage is one thing, but doing the right thing in the firehouse, uh, even if it makes you unpopular, that's the, that you get that opportunity every day, you know, really, when you think about it. So that's what I would want people to know is or to understand is that you as an instructor, you as a fire officer or a firefighter, for that matter, um, don't be afraid to to step step forward when something needs to be done. Right. And yes, there'll be times where you might not, you know, if, particularly if you're one of the early people to step forward to do something, uh, you might take some heat, but you, you can't change a fire service without pissing it off first. So that's just part of the gig, you know? So you just understand that to me, I I've learned over the years that when I, when I see that resistance to change and that things that, that intimidates people from wanting to speak up, to me, that's a good thing because that's the sign that I'm getting somewhere, right? If, if nobody's talking about it, then you're not, you're not moving the needle. If people are on social media fussing about something you're doing, you know, you did this, that, or whatever you're proposing, you're moving the needle. That's a good thing. That, that's part of the process. You have to push through that and, uh, you know, the change will eventually occur and, you know, let, let, let the chips fall where they may. So, I think that's important for every fire instructor, every training officer, firefighter to know. You, that's what that, that's daily courage. You get that opportunity every day. You don't have to have a three alarm fire for that. Yeah, that's all. amen to that. I, I love, I love uh, that that uh, that courage piece. I love that you know courage is, is doing the right thing when everybody's looking because that is difficult. Uh, you're the first person to ever say something like that. They're always good. Every time I interview somebody, they always have great answers. Mm -hmm. But, um, man, like that, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm never speechless. Trust me. I'm never speechless. I'm a talker. <laughs> I just, I, you floored me with that because I'll tell you, like, just, uh, uh, man. So in training, that's extremely important because, uh, you know, People like to train on certain things and they don't like to train on other things. And us as a training officer, you know, we need to understand that um, we need to find that balance. We need to be able to have people train on, on everything that is, is supposed they're supposed to train on and that they're supposed to be trained on. Uh, and that's tough because uh, it's not as popular. So you find these guys, like I said, these traps, you find guys pencil whip and training. Just kind of checking the box, like, well, we have to do it. Let's get through it. And I'm not even going to lie. Like, I've I've done those before, not recently. You know, it's part of growth. It's just because you're so you 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 yearn for that buy-in that you're afraid to to be courageous and do the right thing when everybody is looking. And I love that you said that. You know, and I, as you as you embark in in an instructor. Uh, you know, position or, or training officer position. And then even if you grow out of that, right, like you, you're an administrator, you're the chief of an organization. Uh, 
not don't go into it with the intent of being unpopular because then it, you will you will succeed right. in, in what your intent was. <laughs> Nobody wants to do no, that. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But that but I just love that you yeah. said that, man. I mean, because no one has ever said that. Um that's huge. That's that's big, man. That I mean that really is that's heavy. I love that. You know, that, that just for the audience, you know, yeah, integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. C- courage is doing the right thing when everybody's looking. And that's a tough spot to have. Because you always want to try to make be the popular guy. Everybody likes being popular. Everybody likes being the cool guy. And it's tough, man. You know, I mean, I've had unpopular conversations before just recently. You know, I guy that I'm 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 friendly with in, in work. Uh and, and we've hung out together. We've gone to, you know, concerts and Yankees games together. Um and uh and I, I didn't promote him. And I had to let him know why, you know, and it just, it was a hard conversation, but I, 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 I what I had said to him, it's just funny you say that. Cause it, it just put it in perspective for me. And I'd said to him, I said, listen, I said, I'm in a position where I have to evaluate all the, all the facts and make the right decision and what's right for the organization in the moment. It's the same as if I was the incident commander, right? I have to make and assess the, the what the best outcome is. So this was the, inf- the information that i made my decision off of. And that's the decision that I made. And I want you to at least respect the position I'm in to make that decision. And, uh, and I know that he has to go through stages of grief, but I felt like, I, at least I hope that that was well-received and, and, and I hated having that conversation. It was like the most icky feeling, but what you just said, courage is doing the right thing when everybody's looking, you know, it's, it, it's not always the most popular thing in the moment. And it's, it, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks to be courageous sometimes, you know, uh, but it's a necessity. So I, I, I'm telling you, man, I love that you said that. That's like the best thing I've heard anybody ever say. And that's a takeaway from anybody that I've ever done. It, it is the best thing I've ever heard anybody say. I'm literally going to have a picture of you and I'm going to quote it and put the words over it and put it up oh, on social oh boy. media. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm putting it in my class next for FDIC. I'm telling you, it's the best thing I've ever heard. It's great. I love it. It really is. Thank you. Thank um, you. So uh, let's just learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that for you to say that that's proof that that is a lesson learned the hard way, you know, and it's not it's not easy. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so anyway, so I'll leave the floor to you before we close it completely out. You know, any final words from you? Anything you want to discuss, talk about, throw out there anything? Um, you know, the floor is yours, brother. Uh, I think, you know, I just encourage people to, you know, it's a little weird at that right now, man. So take care of your take care of your people and, you know, make sure they're they're ready to do the job. And we used to talk about the old fire days back in the eighties, like the war years and stuff. And now we're starting, it's like, it's coming back around. It's like, it's, it's like you guys are going to, this generation that's starting now, they're going to see stuff we never thought about, man. So you, you, you can't train enough for something for what you're dealing with. And um, it's, it's going to be a difficult period, I guess, but we'll, we're firefighters. We'll take care of it. Well, I think we're the last last little bastion of hope of, of American values. Right. Amen. So, you know, cold those deer and keep trucking, man. That's all you can do. I love it. Amen. All right, cool. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for, for being on the show, brother. I appreciate it. This was this was awesome. This was a lot of cool honor information. Ah, oh, thank you. Um and then for, for the listener, for the viewer. Um, you know, uh, uh, Eddie, I know you're on social media and stuff like that. Follow his stuff. Look for his new book when it comes out uh, for through fire engineering books and videos. Um, and, and, and thank you all uh, so much. You know, keep training uh, as a training officer. Keep learning. Be a student of the craft. And, uh, you know, thank you guys so much. This is Dave McGlynn with uh, Fire Engineering Podcast, the training officer. You guys be safe.